This is Matt. I'm the lead pastor at Westminster Baptist Church. Thanks for engaging God's word with us. My prayer for you is that this would be supplemental to your discipleship journey. Uh, If we can connect you with a local church or discipleship group, uh, please contact us at info at discoverwbc.com. So the woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at and that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. In life, we tend to try and hide our struggles hide our sin. Adam and Eve sewed fig leaves together to try to cover themselves up. Hiding sin doesn't solve sin. It simply causes guilt and shame while robbing you of the opportunity to find freedom and forgiveness in Christ. Robbing you of the potential of surrounding yourself with an army of brothers and sisters to lead you through overcoming that sin struggle. Hiding sin robs you of the delight, not just forgiveness, but the delight of enjoying God's presence and goodness in this world. The reality is that if we are covering up sin with fig leaves, then we've missed out on the abundant and refreshing grace of God that overcomes the weary heart. That rest that God intends for you in Hebrews is absent when we try to cover up the weariness and the toil that is in our heart. You don't need fig leaves. You don't need to hide. Weary brothers and sisters, your work is futile. You're empty. You just need rest in Jesus. So come to Jesus. He'll forgive you, and he will restore your life. It's only because Jesus beat sin, and so can you. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 through 16. Therefore, since we have a a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. Weary brothers and sisters, toiling and trying so hard to live in perfection, with the expectations of this world so deeply pressed into the shoulders that bear the burden of overcoming and trying to be perfect while always falling short. May you not be burdened any longer. May you not continue to try to cover up the sin struggle with fig leaves trying to blind the world from the reality of the struggle of your heart will not fix your struggle. Instead, your high priest, Jesus, the Son of God, is able to sympathize with you. Your high priest, Jesus, the Son of God, is able to sympathize with you. Verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Now let's break this down for a second. Our high priest, Jesus, the Son of God, is not unable. Uh, The word there is one of the highest and strongest ways of saying um, no 
It's an emphatic no here. Uh, the word in literary Greek is just may, but it means, it means no for a verb. So it's like, if it, if it was going to say you are able, you can put may before it and say you are, uh, it's, it's not like he's unable, right? So it's negating it. Now, here's the thing. That word there in Greek is the word that we get, people like to talk about how we get like uh, the word dynamite from it. The word in Greek is just, it simply means powerful, strong, able. So what it's saying is able with power and strength. And then this word sympathize. So in the, in the verse you see, the high priest who is unable to sympathize. It's not like we don't have a high priest who is unable to, uh, to sympathize. Uh, he is able, in other words, to sympathize. So then you break it down to what sympathize means. In Greek, this word means something like a co-sufferer, someone who has suffered with you, someone who has endured with you. Um, oftentimes what we do in our lives is we look towards people who have endured the same thing as us so that we can learn wisdom from them. Like, well, man, they went through the same thing as me and they came through this. I want to I learn from them. I want to grow for them because they've gone through something. Look, he knows your struggles. And he knows that Satan is tempting you. And in fact, he knows how Satan is tempting you because Jesus came into this world and was tempted. He knows that you failed. He knows that you were tricked. He knows that your mind has been twisted. He knows that you feel like a failure. He knows every day that you wake up wanting to overcome, but you can't. He knows that you consistently deny him. He knows that you have turned away from him and pursued things in this world. And yet he still came into this world and chose to die for you. He loves you. He loves you so much that despite knowing all things about you, he still chose you. He willingly came and chose to die rather than let you die so that you might live. Man, every fig leaf that we cover up our sin with has been removed and he still chooses you. He sees right past those fig leaves. He sees right into your heart and your passions and the wickedness of your choices. He sees deep down within you in ways that no one else can, and yet he still chose you. When all of your sin and turmoil and toil and weariness and all of that has divided you from friends and family, from working and jobs, when it's robbed you of everything that is good, God still chooses you. When no one else does, he still chose to die for you. He chose you to overcome. He chose you to be forgiven. He chose you not to die. You know, he understands your struggle. He understands the difficulty of finding victory in this, and yet he still loves you and gives you grace and mercy. But I know that today someone in here is still feeling guilt and shame. You're still trying to cover up sin with fig leaves to make you think that no one else sees it, but the reality is Christ sees right through it. And at some point, it's going to be exposed. And you're not going to find victory until you bring that out into the light. In the darkness, this guilt and shame will overcome you. It'll make you feel like you cannot ever overcome. Like you're always going to be consumed by this. Have you ever had somebody tell you? And think of how debilitating this might be. Have you ever had somebody tell you, well, you're just always going to be that way? Or have you ever thought in your mind, look, I'm always going to be this way. You're just going to have to like me for who I am. It's so debilitating. It's depressing. It's discouraging. It's, it's, it's almost like it makes you where you can't do anything. Like, well, this is just who I am, and I'm, I'm not going to ever be anything different. 
It's not the gospel. It's not Jesus. No, it says we don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize. So you break down that word sympathize. This, this God who is able to sympathize, and you know, sympathize doesn't, it's not some word that means to comfort you in your sin. This isn't like a um, consolation, this isn't like a counseling in your sin to, to say like, I'm just going to hold you, like nuzzling up to Jesus, like, hey, I'm a sinner, Jesus, will you just hold me? That's not Jesus. If you have that in your mind, it's because somebody's told you that sympathize means that he can like understand you and just wants to take care of you in your sin. That's not Jesus. This word, in fact, came from a, it's a Jewish historian, talks about how this is really a word that was used in war. Um, it's only used one time in scripture, but it was used throughout war. And um, what they would do is they would send out different groups to fight battles. And so one group would come over here, maybe they're flanking, and this other group would come over here, and they were attacking straight on. And let's say this group over here was, was fighting, and all of a sudden they defeated the enemy. Well, this group over here is still fighting the enemy, and they had not won yet. So this group's like, man, hey, we defeated them. We, we, we took some, uh, some hits. It was tough. It was, it was a hard-fought ba- battle. And, uh, um, man, some people are really messed up over it. But, you know, we won. So let's go rest. Let's go, like, we need to recuperate and get ready for the battle again. This word sympathize was used to say, no, you are co-sufferers. That means that you have fought the fight. You know what it's like. You won, so come back over here and help this group out to to experience the same victory that you experienced. That's what Jesus does for you. That he walked on this earth. He breathed the same air you breathe. He faced the same temptations you faced, and yet 15 says that he was tempted in every way just as you are, and yet without sin. So he experienced all of the difficulty that you experienced and yet didn't fall into it. Look, you need a wise warrior. You need a victor, a conqueror. You don't need a losing savior. You don't need somebody who lost. You don't need somebody who falls into sin. You need Jesus. It's like, have you ever had a friend that's like, you know, they had like 33 different uh, um, fender benders in their life. And, and, they, and you're like, man, I just need some help driving. I'm just really struggling with driving. And you like, and, and you just need some help. And they come over and they're like, hey, let me help, let me help you out. I'll show you how to drive. And you're like, uh, anybody else want help? I don't need help from you. That's not Jesus. Jesus is our victor. He's our conqueror. He's the one who knows how to defeat sin, Satan, and death. And if he knows how to defeat it, don't you want him in the trenches with you? Don't you want him in the battle with you? That's what sympathize means. It doesn't mean that he's going to hold you because you're hurting with sin. It doesn't mean that he's going to come and care for you in the midst of his sin. It means he's going to come in the trenches with you and fight against Satan with you. He's going to fight against hell with you. We don't need a God who's just like, it's going to be okay. I know hell sucks. We don't need that. Pardon my language. We don't need a God that's going to come to us and be like, man, it must be really bad down there. I hope you can make it through. It's not my Jesus. My Jesus came into the trenches with us and fought with us. He steps into the battle with us. And when you feel like you're defeated, he's there with you. He's walking with you. He's your strength. And he's not just a strength. He's the strength because he already won the victory. He already fought the battle and won, y'all. He's victorious. He's our victor and our conqueror who comes in and makes us victors and conquerors. So sympathize doesn't mean he's just like, man, it's going to be okay when you experience this hell on earth, man, that must be terrible. No. He's fighting the battle for you. 
This rabbi from Nazareth understands your sin. The God of gods, the Lord of lords, King of kings, over everything and was there when everything was created, was a rabbi in Nazareth who endures the same thing we endured. Man, he lost friends, brothers and sisters, family members rejected him. He went through the pain you experienced like he lost a friend to disease. He's hurt. He hurt. He wept. He, he, he would look out at, at cities and see them and have that pain of a, of a father who loves his children when his children are rejecting them. Like he felt those feelings that you feel. He was, you know, Satan tried to trick him and tempt him, and yet he didn't engage in that sin. He knows what it feels like to feel what you feel. But more than that, he's able to conquer what you failed at. We have a high priest who is able to show you temptation without sin, how to be tempted in this world and yet not sin. Because verse 15 tells us that we have a high priest who was tempted in every way and yet did not sin. I want a warrior king. I want a God who is able to conquer what I can't because I'm a failure when, it's, when I'm without him, but with him I'm a victor. Look, there's no rest in this world when you feel so weary and you're toiling and you're trying and you're, and, and you're working so hard to overcome, but yet you're just covering everything up with fig leaves because you can never overcome. There's no freedom and there's no rest in that. Weary brothers and sisters, if your hearts are heavy, if your shoulders feel heavy, if you're anxious and depressed, if you feel like you'll never be anything but what you are right now, then you've forgotten the hope of Jesus Christ. You've been hiding behind fig leaves. You've been feeding your soul with lies and garbage. You've been feeding your sin with resources like your time, your money, and your passions. You might even be right now, and man, I pray to God that you're not, but you might even be right now where that sin is at a place where you fed it so much that it's consuming your family. You fed it so much that it's consuming your friends. You might even offer it your career. It's consumed you. Sometimes at night you lie up thinking, I'm always going to be this person. I'm never going to find victory. Because you forgot Jesus was in the trenches with you. Because somebody told you that he sympathizes with you in the sense that he understands you, but they forgot to tell you that he sympathizes with you in the sense that he's your victor and he's going to give you victory just like he's already found victory. Somebody forgot to tell you that you are more than conquerors, not just Jesus. Somebody forgot to tell you that he's going to be your strength when you're weak. And so you feel so weak when you're lying there alone at night. During the day, you feed it and you're consumed by it. You think you find joy from it and you just miss the joy of Jesus. And so you think hell feels good. And all the while, you're working so hard to do these things, but just covering it up with fig leaves. Like, man, I know that I'm destroying my family, but just put another fig leaf on it. I know that I might lose my job because of this, but just put another fig leaf on it. And we just keep covering it up with fig leaves, fig leaves. And the problem is, after all of this, when, man, your lies are driving people away from you, uh, when your family's suffering because of it, your greed has robbed you of your friends, cheating has threatened to take your family away, drinking has taken all your money, and eating has headed, led you towards premature death, your finances are destroying your mind and your soul. All these things are happening. One of the worst problems about this all is, you put enough fig leaves on there, you're not just going to blind everybody else from your sin, but you also blind yourself from your sin. 
The fig leaves were meant to prevent God from seeing Adam and Eve's nakedness. They thought, oh, well, we'd you better cover ourselves up now that we know we're naked. It's like, oh, I got sin. I'm going to just cover it up real quick. Y'all, one of the biggest problems about that is, is if we go long enough with fig leaves on us, we look around and we're like, oh, this is just normal. Why did we wear these things in the first place? And all of a sudden in your life, you're like, no, 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 that's just who I am. I get this all the time. People are like, well, I, I no, 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 I'm not, there's nothing wrong. That's just who I am. I'm like, well, you can be that in hell or you can change. Sorry, I was a little brash. But it's honest. Do you like experiencing the hell around you? I don't want it for you. I'll be honest with you. When we create hell around us, I want to stop that. If you're like, well, man, I just, I just, I'm just mean to people. I don't know. I lost all these friends, and I might lose my family because of it. I'm like, man, that hell, it's, ter- it's terrible for you. I don't want that for you, so I'll be honest with you. You can enjoy your hell on earth, or man, you can let Jesus find victory in your life and be forgiving you, help you find freedom from that. You've lost everything. But just because we've lost doesn't mean Jesus did. So rest. You might have lost, but Jesus won. You might feel hell around you. As my good friend Paul says, this is the closest to hell that we'll ever be. You may feel it all around you. You may see it all around you. I don't have to preach hellfire and brimstone in America. You see it. Really, what I got to do is show you heaven. I don't have to show you hell. Everybody talks about, well, hell's bad because of the fire and because of the maggots. I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't even understand hell if you think that's bad. Hell's bad because you're absent from the Lord. He's so much better. Oh, no, 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 hell. Hell's not bad because of the fire. Let me tell you why. The devil's really good at tricking us to think that. Because as long as hell is fire, right, Paul? As long as hell is fire, then this doesn't feel like hell. Then I forget that when I lose a friendship, that's hell. Because that's not heaven. I forget that when I, that when I, if, if, if something happens between my, my spouse, that's an experience of hell. That's not, that's not an experience of heaven. I forget that when stuff, disease and death consumes us around us, that that's hell. And I start calling hell burning, and I start calling those experiences something that God might be doing to me. And so now we start blaming God, like, God, why are you doing this? And it's because people like to preach hellfire and brimstone, and they forget heaven. You weren't meant for this. You weren't meant to experience this. But the reason we experience this is because we put ourselves in trenches, fighting alone and covering ourselves with fig leaves, and we forget that Jesus is in the trench with us. Heaven is here. We forget that God, it says in verse 14, that he passed through the heavens, which is essentially that the presence of God has been moving and active throughout this world. Did you know that when they covered themselves with fig leaves, it wasn't just right after that that God kicks them out of the garden. So think about it like this. They cover themselves up from their sin, and then they step out of the presence of God. And yet Jesus comes, uncovers them from their sin, covers them with his blood so that they might enter back into the garden. It's the unraveling of our shame and our guilt covered up by fig leaves. And God did it for you. I don't have to preach hellfire and brimstone. I need to show you heaven. You see hellfire and brimstone all around you, and it's terrible. The problem is we've been blinded because we think that hell is fire. Brothers and sisters, Satan is winning when you don't see that your sin is causing hell already. 
death, disease, evil, brokenness, pain, and toil and struggle. That wasn't meant for you. What was meant for you was life. And I want you to find life, but the only way to find life is the one in the one who died. Why? You might get, why is Jesus necessary in all this? Why do we need a Jesus who does this? Because I can't fight these battles alone. I, I hurt for a world that feels like, I don't need church. I don't need Jesus. I don't need to go to church. It's not that beneficial to me. All those different things. I hurt for that world. And I think that maybe we as a church have been part of creating that kind of world because church just became hellfire and brimstone, like be scared of hell rather than by finding grace in Jesus. I mean, you look at this verse and you're like, what is this talking about? What this verse is talking about is grace and mercy for you. And, and I, I feel, I'm, I'm sad for a world that feels like they have to battle alone. That's going to make it till they're you know, going through life, losing all of these different things, losing battle after battle after battle, never finding hope. And never find a Jesus. So rest. You lost Jesus one. You know, it's dangerous when we cover ourselves with fig leaves because we start acting like we're the one who won. Fig leaves are, are, are dangerous because it can cover up the, the, the failures so that you look like you look like you're winning. Right? Like you can you can come to church, you can you can be in sit the city and you can, you know, even take your family places like don't tell anybody. Shh. Don't be honest. Stop yelling. Stop talking so loud. Be quiet. Y'all better act on your best behavior. Like all those phrases are kind of like throw on some fig leaves. But the reality is what's inside. The reality is what we've done behind the scenes. The reality is what we do when we're on our knees before the Lord. The reality is when the fig leaves come off and Jesus sees us for who we are, who are we? So get honest with yourself. Get honest with those around you. Get honest with, get honest with your God so that you might find victory and forgiveness in Jesus, not in yourself. You lost. He won. We don't have to keep fighting. You know, people are like, man... Have you ever had this, Paul? I know you've had this. Theologians in here, Jim, I'm sure you faced this. You have people who come up to you and they're like, man, the Old Testament's pretty brutal, Matt. And, and it's like, man, David, he was like a murderer. He, uh, he was definitely involved in some really bad sexual stuff. Like, he was really wicked. And then you look at, like, Moses and Noah and all these guys, and you're like, whew, they made some mistakes. And you see all of that, and you're like, man, those guys are bad. And I'm like, look, here's the story. We lost. He won. I don't, I don't have to explain to you why the Old Testament is full of broken people. All I have to tell you is this. You're broken. So are they. We're all broken. The crazy thing about it is God's grace and mercy was so good that he sent his son who's perfect. That's the crazy, radical nature of God's love. It, it, it's, it's that he was willing to do what we couldn't do. That everybody else failed. So I look at the Old Testament, I'm like, yeah, it's just me. That's me too. That's me. Oh, there I am. There I am again. There I am. And then in Matthew, the book of Matthew, they introduced this new character that we hadn't seen before, though we kind of had seen him. And his name's Jesus. And all of a sudden he does what I can't do. And I'm like, oh, that's what I want to do. So how do I do that? And it's not because of my strength. It's because of his. And so now I go back to the passage and it says, this says, hold fast. And I'm like, okay, maybe there's somebody else that can do what I can't do. 
maybe I want to know this guy. Therefore, it says in verse 14, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let's clarify who this guy is. This guy's Jesus, the son of God. He's not just some man. He's the rabbi from Nazareth and he's a child from Bethlehem, but he happens to be the God of the universe. Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. What's our confession? This is a simple confession for Hebrews. I can't do it. He did. That's Hebrews. I can't do it. He did the whole thing. I lost. He won. I need him desperately. And in the whole book, it's like, hey, if you fail, then you'll spend eternity separated from God. Like the whole thing's like, man, is that serious? Like if I fail, I'll explain it. Yeah, it's because it wants to remind you over and over and over again, you lost. He won. So that we don't go back to the idea that it's my strength I can overcome. That I'm in the trenches and I don't need Jesus in the trenches with me. We got to get away from that idea and come back to this Jesus of Nazareth, the rabbi from Nazareth, the child from Bethlehem, happens to be the God of the universe. So hold fast. Hold fast because when we stepped out of the Garden of Eden, Jesus brought us back into the Garden of Eden. Hold fast in that hope that hell on earth is not your final experience in this world, in this life. The beauty of the gospel, part of this beautiful gospel, is that when Jesus came in, he broke heaven into earth so that Garden of Eden was restored back to earth to a sense. Not fully, that's coming, but to a sense, we have thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So now I start to go, thy joy be like yours in heaven. Like, let my joy be like yours in heaven. Let my peace be like yours in heaven. Let my love be like yours in heaven. Let me look like I'll look in heaven. Let me, let me uh, grow like I'll grow. Let me be the man of God that I will be in heaven. Let me be that on earth. Man, you know how much radically different that sounds than, well, it's just who I am. Isn't that radically different? No, no, no. I'm not going to be who I am in hell. Wow, that's terrible. I'm going be to become who I'm going to be in heaven. That's hope. So then it says, so it says, hold fast to the confession. What's my confession? I lost, he won. Okay, since he won, what's that mean for me? Look at the end of this verse. Look at verse 16. It's kind of um, sandwiched right here. It's like hold fast and then approach boldly. And in the middle, it's talking about Jesus. So at the end of it, it comes back to, all right, he, we lost, he won. Verse 16, therefore, because of Jesus, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. Because I lost, he won, I can approach the throne of grace with boldness. Not because of my strength, but because he's walking to the, to the throne with me. I'm not alone. He's in the trenches with me. You know, it's not like when we get to heaven, I, I wonder if some people feel this way. Do you ever feel like you're going to get up to, you know, you're going to get to heaven, you're going to pass away, you're going to come before the throne of God, and you're going to get in front of him, the fig leaves are going to be removed, you're going to be exposed to everything you are, and you're going to be alone? The beauty of the gospel is that it's not like the Holy Spirit was like, I'm going to be with you until that moment, and then good luck. Hope you look pretty enough, right? Like, hope you look clean enough. No, God's with you even when you're approaching his throne. He's never leaving you nor forsaking you. The Holy Spirit's not going to abandon you when you come before the throne of God and the throne of Christ and you're there before her and it's like, what have you done? And you're like, nothing. The Holy Spirit did it in me. What have you done? Well, nothing. Your son forgave me. That ought to be the mantra of our life. What'd you do? Nothing. The Spirit did it. 
Well, what'd you do? Nothing. Jesus forgave me of it. Everything bad's wiped away and everything good wasn't me. So rest. You lost, Jesus won. I don't have to cover anything up. I don't have to be somebody that I'm not. I can be who he's creating me to be now. When you approach the, the throne boldly, you think through this again. You're a warrior. You're a conqueror. That means you get to go boldly. You get to go boldly before the throne because you're not weak anymore. Because you're not stuck in the trenches as a loser, failure. You may feel that way in your mind. You may feel defeated today. You may feel like, well, man, I'm never going to change. You, you don't understand. I've been this way for 40 years. That's fine. Satan tricks you to think that you'll never be different. Satan tricks you to think that you'll always be a failure. It's not true, though. That's Satan's schemes. It's in this very moment that we realize that Jesus is in the trenches with us. And if he is, remember this. Satan can trick you to think all sorts of things. He can tempt you to do all sorts of things. He can, he can make your mind think, ooh, that's good, I want that. Even when it's not. He can, he can make you think that something's bad when it's good. He can make you think that something's good when it's bad. He is great at tricking you. But verse 15, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin, he can trick you, he can twist you, he can tempt you, but he can't beat Jesus. That's why we need him in the trenches with us. Because when we lack clarity on what we're doing and who we are, we need Jesus there with us. When it's been 40 years full of sin and we struggle with the same thing over time, always doing the same thing, and we feel like, well, this is just my journey. This is just my life. This is just who I'll be. Satan won, but Jesus didn't lose. We lost. So if you want Satan to lose, you need Jesus, the victor to overcome Satan in your life, to change that thinking. You know, I hope that one day you look back at your life and you're like, man, I don't understand how I went through the torment and the trials, the weariness of that sin struggle, that death and disease, that pain that I experienced. I don't know how I did, but I'm going to give glory to God that I no longer experience that today. That I found freedom, I found forgiveness, I found victory and I'm a conqueror. So hold fast, approach boldly, because grace lifts up the weary. And if you feel weary, remember this. Grace lifts up the weary by giving you way more than you deserve in Christ. Grace gives you way more than you deserve. It gives you the Holy Spirit. It gives you uh, spiritual gifts. It gives you spiritual blessing. It gives you spiritual life. It gives you spiritual hope. It gives you all sorts of things that you did not deserve, but it gives you it in Christ. While mercy lifts you up, lifts up the weary by giving you way less than you deserve in hell. Mercy for, prevents you from receiving what you should have received, and grace gives you what you should never have received. And together, those two are a powerful blessing for the church today that you can experience as you approach boldly because you're victors and conquerors, no longer defeated by depression and anxiety, guilt and shame, but lifting up your head knowing that you're not fighting alone. And so the King of Kings is inviting you into His presence. The same rabbi from Nazareth and child from Bethlehem is asking you to enter into his presence, into the Garden of Eden with him for eternity. Man, we walk boldly. We walk boldly, man, with confidence. I'm not a failure. I'm not losing. This isn't the end. Because my God is with me. Not because of me, but because my God is with me, this is not the end. And so I think about 
hell on earth. I think about heaven coming and I think about heaven breaking into our earth today. I think about you and I think about being weary and tired, tormented by sin and temptation, death and disease. And when I think about all that, I hope you remember this. You are more than conquerors. Romans chapter 8 verse 37 tells us, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors. When you feel defeated, remember you're more than conquerors. But it says this, through him who loved us. Not through us, through him. And I mean this boldly. I mean this like powerfully in your life. If you're, if you're today like with the rest of the world, like Man, why do we need Jesus? What can he do for my life? Let me ask you just a question. How are you doing without him? How is this world doing without him? If anything, when you look at the Old Testament, if you ever get frustrated with how just brutal and sinful it is, you should just be able to recognize this. Outside of the Garden of Eden, it looks like hell. But yet Jesus stepped back in to bring heaven back to us. So of course it's going to look like hell out there. Of course you're going to experience all of these terrible, terrible things that I don't want for you. But if you want to keep continuing to experience what you're experiencing, then walk alone. But if you want to take off the fig leaves, find victory in Christ, find forgiveness in Christ, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus and remove the fig leaves. This is my gospel response for you to challenge you to come to Jesus and say, here's who I am. What can you do with this? Be honest. Like, what can you do with this broken human being that I am? And you know what's awesome? He was tempted, and yet he didn't sin. So what can he do with it? A lot. Man, a lot. Don't doubt what Jesus can do because you've seen what he can do. He's the only one who could live perfect. And so maybe you struggle. Maybe, maybe you're living in sin. Maybe you're living in depression, anxiety in a way that you're just like, I just need help. Maybe you're living with greed and with dishonesty and sinful thoughts and pressures and, and addictions or whatever it may be. Maybe you're just wicked to people. Man, maybe you're just lying to those that you love and doing all these different things. And you're like, man, I, but I, I don't know what to do. Come to Jesus, expose, take off the fig leaves and say, what can you do with this, Jesus? And the second thing I have for you is would you surround yourself with Jesus' strength? He's in the trenches with you and he's strong. The way I tell people to do this is, as the band comes forward, here's what I tell people to do. Look at God's word, God's spirit and God's people. That's how God formulated strength for you. Through his word, through his spirit, and through his people, he gives you and offers you a strength that you could never have alone. We're fighting for you. As I say often about this church, we link up arms and we go out and we fight together. Y'all, but we're not alone. Jesus is with us. So take up his strength and fight back on your battles. Now, here's, here's, a, here's where I'll close for you today. I want you to picture this, man. I want you just to sit in this. What would it look like in your life for you to rest from the weary toil, toil with sin? Like, if that sense, bring it up in your mind and be like, okay, all right, here's what I'm struggling with today. 
Here's what I've been struggling with for years. If you brought that up in your mind, you're like, okay, what would it be like if you, had, you were able to rest from that toil, from that struggle? What would that mean for your heart and your mind and your relationships to be free of that sin struggle? And if today, again, man, I want to be real clear about this. If today you're just like sitting here like, well, I mean, Matt, honestly, I'm, I'm, actually, I'm actually more perfect than Jesus. <laughs> it's because, seriously, and I want to be really, really, really honest, it's because the fig leaves have blinded you. Jesus sees right through them, but you don't. And people around you probably do, but you just disagree because when you look in the mirror, you see something else. And I don't say this because I want to make you feel bad. I don't want you to make you feel sinful. I don't want you to make you feel guilt and shame. No, I want you to feel freedom. I want you to have restored relationships. I don't want you to be scared of hell. I want you to find joy in heaven. All right, so I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to be over here if you want to talk. Um, If you want to talk later, man, just email me or whatever. Um, If you just need some time with the Lord, because, man, you're confessing your sins in this moment to the Lord and letting him forgive you and find victory in your life. If you just need some time with God, take that time. We're going to sing clean hands, pure heart. God's grace is so good. Let me pray for you. God, we thank you for giving your son, Jesus Christ, who came to live the life we couldn't live, to die the death we should have died, and to raise from the dead so that we might too. I pray, Father, that as we experience this gospel message in our lives, that we won't remain who we were in hell, but we'll find freedom to live in heaven, to step back into the garden and experience your good blessings here on earth. Father, would you transform our hearts today and make us into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ, forever. We love you and we give you all power and authority to do what you will in our lives. pray this in your Son's name. Amen. You have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more about following after Jesus, uh, please contact us and we would love to talk more about your relationship with Christ and how you can grow in your spiritual journey.